Tonight on Huckabee, retired U.S. Army surgeon Dr. Omar Hamada, show host and author Kathy Lee Gifford, Samaritan's first president Franklin Graham, American Idol finalist Colton Dixon, Dad Stray Corley in the Music City Connection. so much what a great crowd hey it's christmas time and we've got this theater all decorated up like christmas i think uh, trey corley is going to give hundred dollar bills to everybody in the audience tonight Just... he didn't know he was going to do that and his wife will kill him but uh wouldn't that be a one i'm borrowing it from governor <laughs> well he may not do that after all one of the books that i wrote is called a simple christmas now, it was one of the favorite books I've ever done. I've done 14. It was written in part because it isn't a political book at all. It's a series of personal stories that illustrate just how the most meaningful Christmases of our lives are often the simplest ones. You know, it's not having the most elaborate tree or decorations or setting the perfect table with the perfect menu, perfectly cooked and served. That rarely happens anyway. The best Christmas is usually the one that is most like the first one. Very simple. A young, pregnant, unmarried teenage girl, probably about 14 years old, ended up in labor while taking a trip with her fiancé, a young Jewish carpenter named Joseph. They were in a sleepy little town called Bethlehem, but there was no place for them to seek refuge and no place for Mary to deliver her baby other than a borrowed cave where animals were kept and fed. In a feeding trough that was designed to feed sheep and goats, she placed her newborn son. That was nothing like the scene depicted in church pageants where things seem so, well, clean and holy and angelic. This was a nasty, smelly place fit for farm animals not intended to be a delivery room for a human baby. But when God wanted to reveal himself to mankind, he didn't choose to come in a chariot of blazing fire surrounded by angels and choirs and wondrous miracles. He came in the most humble of circumstances and in a way that identified with the lowliest people on earth, not the wealthiest or the most powerful. You know, he's still doing that. He shows up to bring comfort and love to the people who the world views as the unlovable and the untouchable. No place is too low. No person is too lost for him. It's why I think of Christmas in simple terms, simple memories of playing checkers with my Uncle Garvin, a lifelong bachelor who came and stayed at our house every Christmas. Or... Maybe I remember Aunt Mary's popcorn balls that she made every year and brought to the family Christmas dinner. 
Honestly, they were so chewy and sticky from the Cairo syrup that she made them with. It's a miracle that any of us had teeth after eating one of those things. And my mother made chocolate chip cookies with chocolate chips and pecans that came from the pecan trees that were in our yard. They are still the best chocolate chip cookies I've ever had. At least that's how I remember them. I remember some of my Christmas gifts from childhood, especially the electric guitar that I begged for for three Christmases in a row, always being told that we couldn't afford it. So what else did I want? After three years of getting what else, I finally declared I wanted an electric guitar or nothing. Only when I was an adult did I found out just how close I was that year to getting nothing. <laughs> but that year, my parents ordered for my Christmas my first electric guitar from the J.C. Penney catalog. The whole rig, amp and all, cost $99, which to them was a fortune. In fact, it took them a full year to pay for it. They paid a little every month, and they didn't even do much for Christmas for themselves that year. But it was a simple guitar that changed my life. Not that I was ever good enough to make a living at it, but learning to play meant learning that for every hour of performing, there are hours and hours of practice. You know, that turned out to be a good life lesson for every endeavor I ever did. And playing in front of people, that helped me overcome what was an incredible shyness that you probably wouldn't recognize today. So as you prepare for your Christmas, keep it simple. God did, and it sure has made a difference in our lives that He did. Well, by now, you've probably heard about the so-called Omicron variant of the coronavirus. Should we be concerned about it? Or is this media-driven hysteria that just needs to end already? Well, yesterday, I spoke with Dr. Omar Hamada about the new variant. He's a frontline ER doctor, a former Special Forces flight surgeon, and an OBGYN doctor. Not mine, by the way, just to throw that in. <laughs> So he has plenty of expert insights to speak into those questions and a whole lot more. Here's my conversation with Dr. Hamada. Dr. Hamada, welcome back. I got to tell you, when you were with us before, everybody said, you know, he makes a lot of sense. And when a doctor makes sense, we want him on our show. Well, so, fantastic. Uh, we have heard the World Health Organization has even said that not a single person in the world has died from the Omicron uh, variant. Why is everybody freaking out about it? You know, that's a great question, Governor. We are making such a big deal over this, and there's so much fear being generated, because frankly, I think people just say, we don't know. But if we look at the South African experience and listen to what the doctors there are saying, this seems to be uh, a variant, they call it a VOC, a variant of concern, like Delta, um, that quickly replaced Delta within two weeks or so in South Africa. Um, but what we're seeing is it is more infectious, it's more transmissible, but which, with much less severity of disease. So this could potentially be the end of, of the coronavirus pandemic. Because it would be that we getting to herd immunity? Yeah, exactly. Because if, if it's so transmissible and people get infected, but with nothing more than a mild cold for most everybody, 
um, then people could develop natural immunity, and then it's over. Dr. Fauci will be crushed he if will. it's over. <laughs> and I say that somewhat facetiously, but I'm beginning to believe that there's some people in the public health community um, that, that want to keep us locked down and afraid. And I'm thinking, you know, there comes a point at which we've got to get back to living. There's certain risk, we all understand it, a risk not taking the vaccine, maybe for some people a risk in taking it. But the bigger risk is that we curl up in a fetal position, hide under our beds and stop living. Exactly. And the damage that this pandemic has done to the world is irreversible, I think. And it, it seems like they want to keep continuing the fear-based uh, insanity, locking people down and everything else. So, and I understand there, there has to be some caution. Uh, when it first started, we just didn't know what we didn't know. And there was yeah. a lot of fear, justifiably so. But as we gained experience and as people got immunized and as people developed other medications that could treat it or discovered other medicines like ivermectin, hydroxychloroquine, I know there's a lot of controversy about that, um, then we began to see that, you know, we can actually survive this. I mean, in the U.S., for example, the fatality rate's about 1%, not greater than that. So you, you mentioned ivermectin and hydroxychloroquine. There have been other things that doctors have prescribed and, and they get in trouble for it. Sometimes they're threatened with the loss of their medical license. Shouldn't we allow doctors and their patients to make these decisions and not some bureaucrat who's never walked the hall of a hospital? We certainly should. And this is the first time in modern history where physicians have had their hands tied and are told we cannot use certain medications off-label to treat clinical conditions. We do it all the time. We do it in obstetrics and gynecology. We do it in internal medicine. We do it in emergency medicine. There are many medications we use off-label. This is the first time where we're not only being told we can't, we're being threatened, we're being fired, we're being um, de-licensed. So it's, it's, it, it doesn't make any sense. And I've seen people, they're not political doctors. They're, they're genuine uh, immunologists and others who are uh, maybe from the academic world. But the ones that see patients, some of whom are in academia, but they also see patients. They walk the halls of a hospital. They look at patient charts. They've had a very different approach to this, very different than what I call the bureaucratic physicians who maybe have not seen a patient in decades, do not have a clinical practice, um, a lot of Americans say, who do I listen to? Exactly. It's confusing. And unfortunately, there is so much variance in information. And unfortunately, and this, is, this seems to hold pretty true, there seems to be a dividing line based on political, um, you know, the way somebody leans politically, which is interesting because it should just be pure science. Yeah. I mean, this is the science. This is what happens. And this is, these are the decisions we make. But there seems, it seems to be swayed based on which way we lean politically to, which is difficult to understand. It makes us think that maybe there is some sort of agenda. Maybe there is something else to this rather than just a straight pandemic. One question that I have not been able to get someone to help me better understand, the government is pushing vaccination. I don't have a problem with that. As I've told people, I got the vaccine because at my age and with having had pneumonia and stuff, made sense for me, but maybe not for everybody. And I don't care if someone doesn't get it. But what I don't understand, what about the people who have had COVID, who have natural antibodies, and most of these policies that are being put out there, they don't allow that that person is probably better protected than I am. And shouldn't a person keep his or her job? Shouldn't they still be able to drive a truck or be a police officer if they've had COVID and have natural antibodies without getting the vaccine? Certainly, and that's one of the things that actually 
makes me think there's something more to this than just straight science. So now you're going to get the nerd to come out in me because I love this stuff, right? <laughs> <laughs> so um, in the virus, there are 16 non-structural proteins that are coded by the genome. And there are only four structural proteins, and those are the S protein, the membrane protein, envelope protein, and what we call the nucleocapsid protein, where the RNA is stored. So the immunizations are only made against that one S protein, but all those other um, antigenic uh, indicators of the virus are not addressed by the vaccine. Natural immunity takes them all. Hmm. So natural immunity is gonna build a more robust, a more effective, and a wider immunity against coronavirus and enable us to actually interact even more against the variant. Hmm. So I think some people in our audience, uh, they're looking to see who's got the virus here in the audience. They're gonna go hug them and give them a big <laughs> wet kiss so they Make can sure get it wrong. and be done with it. Kidding, of yeah. course, but you know, that's what I don't understand. We shouldn't eliminate uh, jobs for people or anything if people have now had natural immunity. That's great and I'm happy for them. I don't wanna get COVID to have it. I'd rather just not get it at all. But I'm not hearing any government official who's saying either a vaccine or natural immunity or just take care of yourself. It's your choice. You have one of three choices to make. Wouldn't that be the way that America ought to do this? Sure, certainly would. Well, I just want to say thank you. It's always great having you here. You make uh, very complicated things understandable. Thank you. Even to people like me and Keith and Trey. And if we get it, the world gets it. I, I can assure you that. Thank you so much, Dr. Ahmad. My thanks to Dr. Hamada for joining me and answering all of our questions. By the way, you can keep up with Dr. Hamada and get all his takes on the latest medical news by going to the all-new Huckabee.tv website. By the way, speaking of doctoring, Keith Bilbrey has dissected this show with surgical precision. That's right, and he's going to share with you what he has discovered. That's uh, Dr. Bill Brady, you. Next, Franklin Graham and Operation Christmas Child. Still to come, best-selling author Kathy Lee Gifford. Stay with Huckabee. Samaritan's Purse is doing their Christmas gift catalog of giving again this year, and it is a terrific way to see the different ways that Samaritan's Purse can help individuals and whole communities all over the world, but more importantly, how you can partner with them to do it. They've also just finished their Operation Christmas Child Drive. That blesses tens of thousands of kids every year with all sorts of practical and fun presents for Christmas. Franklin Graham is one of America's top spiritual leaders. He's president and chairman of the board of Samaritan's Purse. He's here to tell us about these projects and how all of us can help. It's my honor to welcome my friend, the Reverend Franklin Graham. Franklin, good to have you here. I know you've just finished with uh, the Operation Christmas Child Drive. Give us a background. How many kids are going to benefit from, from that which you're wrapping up? Well, we'll have about a little over 10 million children that we'll be able to give a gift to this year. Wow. And of course, Governor, it gives us a chance to give it in Jesus' name hmm. because Christmas is about Jesus. It's God so loving the world that He gave at Christmas His Son, Jesus Christ, to take our sins. 
and he came to save us. And so Christmas is about Jesus Christ. And so we want the children of the world to know that God loves them. He hasn't forgotten them. And by giving a box kind of like this right here, governor, um, to a child in some third world country, they, they may live in a garbage dump. They may live in a slum somewhere outside of Manila and they get a gift like this. Mm. Uh, the encouragement it gives them, but it's not just that child. The mom and dad see it. Brothers and sisters see it. Aunts, uncles, cousins. There may be 60 people that this one box can have an impact on. And what I ask people to do is to pray uh, before they, they pack the box, pray for the child that's going to get the box. Because I have people say, Franklin, where will my box go? Governor, I have no clue. Uh, it's going to go to over somewhere, a child in over 100 countries. But God knows. And I believe when we pray, he will take that box and he will just supernaturally, he'll put it in the hands of a child that's intended to get that box. So I ask people to pray, put your picture in there. We want the child who gets the box to see who gave the box. Put your address in there. Maybe that child can write you back and you can write them and develop a, a relationship. And who knows where that will go. But uh, it's just a great opportunity for us to, to reach out to children around the world in Jesus' name. I, I want to mention about hey. the... Uh, Christmas gift catalog, because I find this fascinating. Mm. You've mentioned it. We saw it as the spot came into our segment. Um, so many people, they have no idea what to get their Uncle Barney for Christmas. They just don't have a clue. You have a solution to that. Tell us about the gift catalog Samaritan's Purse has. You know, Christmas puts a lot of stress on, on everybody. What do we give this person or that person? And for many people, like myself, I don't need anything, don't want anything. Hmm. And people will spend a lot of money to give you a gift, and, and I appreciate that, and I'm grateful for it. But we've come up with a, an idea, and that's a, a catalog where you can buy a gift, and we can give it to a child or to a family overseas, and uh, we will send a recognition card in the mail uh, to the person that you're giving it in their name. So let's say I want to give my wife this year a gift instead of going down to buying her a piece of jewelry. I go to the gift catalog and pick out maybe maybe it's a chicken. Uh, it may be a well that we want to do in a third world country. And so she'd get in the mail that uh, we, we have, I've given her for Christmas a well in India. And, uh, and it's, it's just a great way. We, I mean, there's, there's all kinds of ideas people can pick and choose. And it's really kind of fun. I got, I, got, I think last year, a goat. And that, <laughs> so By the way, hey, that, Franklin, that was a lot of fun. Franklin, I wanted to tell you, uh, while you were mentioning that you were going to give your wife maybe a well or a goat or a chicken, I got a text from her. Jane said, that's fine. She appreciates it. But the jewelry store would still be okay too. So just wanted to let you know, she's, <laughs> she, she's okay if you want to go down and do that. <laughs> uh, well, it's a very powerful thing because these are practical needs. One of the gifts I found very fascinating was giving honeybees so that people could raise uh, honey in their community. And, and this would go to some family, maybe uh, halfway around the world. And, and I know it's one of the busiest times of year, but I want to remind our audience, Franklin, that. Uh, the work of disaster relief continues. It doesn't stop because does. of all these other Christmas projects. We're just so grateful for what you're doing and all the many uh, thousands and thousands of volunteers around the world. God bless you and a Merry Christmas to you and your wonderful family. 
And, and thank you, Governor. Merry Christmas to you. And, you know, we still, still need volunteers in Louisiana. Mm. Uh, that place was so hard hit last year, Governor. And uh, the people down there are still suffering. And we just need volunteers. So maybe your, your wife can come back and, and bring you with her and, and bring a team for your church. Uh, we need your help. Well, she's been there twice and, and loved it. And she agrees that it is so devastated and people aren't talking about it. Yeah. So I hope some folks will go and maybe she'll be down there right after the new year. Well, thank you Amen. so much. Thank you. And I want to say, I pray that all of you will share the spirit of Christmas by getting involved with Samaritan's Purse. Please consider visiting their website or calling them today so you can be a huge blessing to those in need on this Christmas season. Keith Bilbrey's got more than just a shoebox full of goodies still ahead. He's going to open that box up and tell you all about it right now. Next, laugh along with Mike's and case you missed it news story. Then more fun with comedian Reno Collier on Huckabee. Trey Corley in the Music City Connection doing Run Run Rudolph. I love the Chuck Berry version, but I think Trey may have him beat. Would you give a big hand to yeah. him? Yeah! Trey Corley and the Music City Connection. Good stuff. Good. Run Run Rudolph. You probably aren't going to hear it in church, but you probably will hear it in some store. I heard it this week walking yeah. around and it was playing. It's just a great, great classic Christmas song. Oh, yeah. Well, you know what it's time for? Uh, what? Well, here's what we're going to do. We've got stories that range from a strange manger scene to a woman married to a cow. Oh. Yeah, because hey, we've got all the news that will move you <laughs> on In Case You Missed It. Yeah. that's We know that little song, don't uh -huh. we? Well, do big noses run in your family? We'll take a look. I don't want to say anything. I got a picture of me and my dad, and, and it's commonly known as the schnozzies. The schnozzies. Yes. It's, it's well, you're going to love, Leo, you're gonna love this story. Okay. Then. Because the Guinness Book of Records just awarded the enviable title of the world's longest nose to the schnoz of a Turkish man named Mehmet Azarek. That's right. All of the noses in the world, and they picked his. Good Lord. Wow. Did, they didn't catch that, did they? <laughs> they picked his nose. Oh! Get that? Oh! See what I did there? Yeah. There you did. Took the audience three tries to get that right. <laughs> anyway, his nose measures 3.46 inches from bridge to tip. Wow. Now, when he was a kid, people used to tease him about his big nose, but now he just blows them off. Oh, getting worse. Because he said one day he looked in the mirror and accepted that this is how God made him, and now he is at peace. He claims that there are even benefits. Like, get this, he can blow up a balloon with one nostril. <laughs> what? You know, that'd be popular with the grandkids, right? Oh, yeah. 
And when he walks into a room, he can smell things that other people can't, which might not be a benefit yeah, some places. Yeah, that's questionable. Anyway, he could even refuse to wear a mask because there's just not any mask big enough for that <laughs> nose. Now, we're having some fun with this, but I want to be clear. We agree with him that he's great just the way God made him. And it's wonderful that he accepts himself for that very reason. Because if everyone did that, we'd all be a lot healthier. Absolutely. And Hollywood would be a very different place. And that, my friend, is nothing to sneeze at. It isn't. Yeah. <sighs> Have you ever heard of carnation milk? Oh, absolutely. Okay. Yeah. How about reincarnation milk? You ever heard of that? <laughs> nope. That's, that's a new one. I, I didn't think you had. Well, you're going to tonight okay. because there's a woman in Cambodia, and she is sharing her house with a cow that she believes is the reincarnation of her late husband. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. She says that when she first met the cow, it kissed her and followed her upstairs just like her husband used to do. Mm. In fact, she says everything about the way the cow behaves is just like her late husband. I think that may say more about his manners than reincarnation, personally. <laughs> but she sees no utter explanation. Utter. Utter. I caught that. Utter. They got it this time. She's even made their kids promise that after she dies, they're going to treat that cow like their father and give it a human-style funeral. Mm-hmm. Say, Keith, you know what we do with a cow after the funeral in Arkansas? Uh, do you warn it? Nope. After a cow <laughs> funeral, we eat steaks. Oh. That's what we do. <laughs> I knew that. You knew that was coming. Yeah. Well, finally, a Christmas story with a modern twist. Every year, a group of craftsmen in the historic center of Naples, Italy, create a nativity scene that reflects current times. Last year, all the figures had face masks. This year, the three wise men are all carrying vaccination green passes, the European Koval travel documents. Now, the makers say the three wise men had to cross so many borders that the COVID passes would let them follow the star without getting stopped by the authorities. There you go. Yeah. That's Although funny. Facebook would block them because they were carrying gifts of ivermectin, hydroxychloroquine, <laughs> and vitamin D. <laughs> Can't say that on Facebook. Yeah. No, no, no. A little twist on the gold, Frankenstein. Absolutely. Yeah. Hey, it's a good thing this wasn't in California or the manger would contain a baby Dr. Fauci for us to admire. <laughs> oh, I don't even think about that. They're getting hostile out here. I, I know. Well, before you get tired of us two wise guys, we're going to end this bit. But remember, we read the news. Wow, what a crowd. Coming up, best-selling author and television host, Kathy Lee Gifford, plus pop music star Colton Dixon on Huckabee. Huckabee.com and sign up for his free newsletter and follow at GovMikeHuckabee on Twitter. And welcome back. Kathy Lee Gifford is the four-time Emmy-winning co-host of Today and Live with Regis and Kathy Lee. But you may not know she's also an actress, a singer, a songwriter, entrepreneur, and author. Her terrific new book is this one. It's called 
the Jesus I know, honest conversations and diverse opinions about who he is. Would you give a warm welcome to one of my very favorite people in the, all the world? How can you not love Kathy Lee Gifford? for the music. I don't blame you. I come I, here for the band. I come here for the band as well. They just let me talk in the midst of it and get to interview some wonderful people like you. I'm Welcome. Welcome Why am back. I so far away from you? I don't like this. They told me you wanted to be as table? far away, social distancing or something like oh. that. I don't know. Okay, I'll be a good girl. Uh, I doubt it, but thank you for trying. You no, know, I, was, I, was, I was kicked out of the brownies when I was seven. Were you really? I was kicked out of Sunday school when I was 12 and kicked out of the America's Junior Miss pageant when I was 17. That is my <laughs> life of crime. <laughs> but you got all that out of your system I before got it you out were of my 18. System. You know what I realized then, what? Governor? That I wasn't going to let anybody mold me to be somebody that I wasn't. And that's what our culture does. That's right. You know, if, yeah. you, don't, if you don't wear your little beanie like a good little brownie and you ask <laughs> questions and you want to do things, that, they didn't like that. They asked me to go home. <laughs> then, then at 12, I, there was something in the Bible that I knew wasn't true. Yeah. And I just said it to my teacher. I said, no, no, I don't believe that. She goes, what? It's in the Bible. I said, but I don't believe that Jesus would curse a tree that he created. Jesus wouldn't do, my Jesus wouldn't curse a tree. Turns out later that tree represented the Pharisees and the, and the Sadducees. Yeah. That's why he cursed it, because they weren't feeding his people that I went. And they threw you out? I was asked uh, not to come back to Sunday school. Wow. <laughs> I think you're the only person I've ever met that was actually thrown out of Sunday school. <laughs> I Most... wear it as a badge of honor. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, you're not going to get thrown out of here. There's no, nothing I know. You I keep coming do. back for more, don't I? And I'm glad you do. This brand new book is really, uh, it's so fascinating. And I know a lot of the people that you write about I've either met them or they've been guests on right. the show. Sure. You've had conversations with a wide variety of people. Yes. And you've talked to them about who Jesus is to them. Mm -hmm. What a clever idea. Well, it was my literary agents. Because he loves in my books the conversations I have with the people that ordinary people would never have an opportunity. And I, and I am ordinary in so many ways, except for God has given me a mission field in the entertainment world for the last four and a half decades. And so I hang out with people like Al Pacino. Yeah. I can't help myself. <laughs> and I know, I mean, he's just in my life. I, I find You're myself, still alive. That's the good I'm, thing. Yes, he and didn't so is Al. Or, you know, the people that I meet on movie sets or in recording sessions or performing somewhere. And they're often, um, I talk to everybody, but, yeah. but the, the stories that they wanted me to tell were some of the very famous people. And then lots of ordinary people that are just, Extraordinary because everybody God makes is extraordinary. You, you also have a chapter about one of my favorite folks, Janice Dean, the weather machine at Janice. Fox News. Uh -huh. Most people don't know she's battling and has been for years MS. Yep. Just keeps moving forward. Battles MS and battled uh, very, very hard in New York State against uh, the abuse of elderly people. Which was horrible. During the COVID too. epidemic, she lost her, her two in-laws. Yeah. And she, uh, what I loved about uh, Janice's story is that she seems like Bambi. Yeah. You know, she's like Bambi's sweetest, sweetest thing. And then she got a fire in her for justice, for her family, yeah. and for all the people that were abused. And she became Godzilla, Yeah, you know? Yeah. And it was just God used this, this sweet, dear person 
that would never hurt a fly, and she didn't try to hurt anybody, to become this ambassadress for um, the, do, justice for these people. Yeah. I, I've, I've known her I've, for a long, long time, and I just love her. But people, I really wanted to surprise people with this book. You don't know, a lot of people don't know that Kris Jenner of Kardashian fame uh, has been walking with Jesus for four, over 40 years. We, mm. we met in Bible study in California years ago. She's, you know, taken a few paths. That, you know, <laughs> I would, we're still great, dear friends. And uh, we, uh, she'd be here for me in a second. And uh, I, I'm not a fair weather friend. If, if you're my friend, and, uh, and, you know, we're all on these journeys, Governor. I can't. And I don't want to judge anybody. It's not my job to but judge But I other cannot imagine journeys. that there's anybody. I, I consider you like the Sarah Lee of the entertainment world. Nobody doesn't like Sarah Lee. No, and no, nobody doesn't like Kathy Lee. Well, there's just nobody out there. Now you, haven't met, you haven't met them yet. <laughs> there's not. There's so no, many great stories. I went through a long, long period where I was hated by a lot of people. But they all died. <laughs> All the more reason I'm going to just affirm my love for you because I want to live a while longer. I didn't kill them, but they're dead. Well, this is this is such a beautiful book. It's a great book here at Christmas time. Thank you. I hope people, if if they're struggling with what to get a friend or a loved one, and they want to give them something that relates to spiritual life yeah. about people they probably never knew even had one, this is the book. The Jesus we don't know, I know what's going on in people's hearts and in their minds. They will now. Lives. They well, will thank now. You, Governor. You know I love it's you. a beautiful story. And, and you just, it's, it's so down to earth. It's not phony and frivolous. It's just earthy and real. And Who's I think, got time for that? I yeah. just love it. And thank you for writing it and sharing it. I hope everybody in America gets a copy of it for themselves and for friends because you're going to enjoy it. And no kidding, you'll learn some stuff about some of the folks you know that you did not know. Surprise you. Yeah. The Jesus I Know, it's available right now. It's already on the market. You can also get a free audio interview with Kristen Chenoweth and much more. How do you do that? Go to Huckabee.tv. That will link you directly to everything that you wanted to know about Kathy Lee Gifford and more. I know one more thing. May I what real quickly? Uh, I'm, I've produced, along with our friends, uh, uh, Squire and Louise, yes. the fourth Godwink movie that oh. is going to air on Hallmark, Movies and Mysteries, this coming Sunday. My the, wife will certainly yeah. say she watches every Hallmark movie 17 times. I know, yeah. It's every nice to one. get a, a faith component into these stories, and they've been super successful. So they have. The fourth one's on Sunday. Rightfully so. Thank you. Right now, Keith Bilbrey is going to uh, call on your inner Kathy Lee and tell you what's coming up on the rest of the show. I would love to. Next, stand-up comedy with Reno Collier. Then, American Idol finalist Colton Nixon is on Huckabee. Next week, join Mike's guest Brian Kilmeade and comedian Jeff Wayne. Welcome back. Now, in case you haven't heard, The Huckabee Show has its own merchandise store right now. And you can get your very own Huckabee Show mugs, like this one that I'm drinking water from, T-shirts and hats, and not only are these high-quality items, but we have worked hard to make sure that everything on the store is 100% made in America. That's right. 
which means that stuff ain't sitting on a boat out in the Pacific coming in from China. It's made right champ, which is a good thing. You can go to Huckabee.tv and click on the shop button to get your Huckabee Show swag. By the way, I don't get a penny of it, so I can push it and encourage you to get it because I don't get any of it. But boy, if I did, I'd really be pushing it. I'd really be begging you to get it. So maybe that's a thought for the future, right? Hey, you know this guy from many TV shows, his Comedy Central special and the Blue Collar Comedy Tour with Jeff Foxworthy, Ron White, and Larry the Cable Guy. He's also got his own serious radio show called Chewing the Fat, and he helps the children of fallen military members as a spokesman for a soldier's child. I want you to welcome a wonderfully funny guy, Reno Collier. Thank you very much. Merry Christmas early, everybody, huh? I, uh, if you've never seen me or if you've seen me on TV before, I used to be a lot fatter and I was sweat a lot. I used to drink quite a bit and I had to give it up. Uh, it'll be five years at Christmas. Um, yeah, yeah, not bad. I went to the doctor, I was, when I first went in, I was like, doc, I became friends with him because I was in there all the time. And he's like, man, Reno, you gotta quit drinking. You keep drinking like this, you're gonna be dead in five years. And I was like, man, so I could drink for four more? <laughs> he's like, no, you moron, you're turning yellow. I was like, look, doc, I came into this world jaundice. I'm going out of this world jaundice. But no, I started, uh, I got remarried and I started going to church with my wife and, and trying to get my life together. I, I am trying to read the Bible. I haven't read the whole Bible. Um, I got that ADHG TV or whatever that is. I can't focus. It's like, thou art, might not stop. I can't keep my brain. So I downloaded the Bible on my phone so I could listen to someone else read it to me. You know who reads the Bible on my prayer app? James Earl Jones. Yeah, and it's good. I just feel guilty though, because uh, <laughs> I can't stop laughing every time he gets to that part where he's like, Luke. I'm like, <laughs> I know who you are. You know, he's like, I'm your father. I'm like, yeah, you are, big dog. <laughs> and my wife's got me going to church. And, and oddly enough, I did a show at a church this past year. And if you knew me before this, that'd be weird. You know what I mean? Like, and I didn't even, I'll tell you what happened. I'm driving in my truck, going to this radio thing, and I'm praying, right? I'm like, God, I don't know what's going on. You know, it feels like the world's upside down. I don't, and right in the middle of my prayer, I'm not making any of this up, my phone rings. And I look down at my phone, it says Lula, Georgia. And I'm like, so I stopped praying, I answer the phone, I'm like, hello? And this guy goes, Mr. Collier? I was like, yes, sir. He goes, this is Pastor Adam Reynolds from Lula, Georgia. And I'm like, I'm like, do I know you? He goes, no, sir. He goes, I got your phone number from your agent. He said I should call you directly to ask you this question just to bypass him and go right to you because he didn't know the answer. And I'm like, well, I got to be honest with you. I don't know you, Reverend, but I was just praying and you're freaking me out. He's like, here's what I want to know. How much would it cost for you to come and do your show at our church of Christ here in Lula, Georgia? And I'm like... All right, man, you're testing me? Is this how this works out? I'm like, I'm like, I don't know. I'm like, man, I wouldn't even know how to put a price tag on that. He's like, well, my son memorized all your videos. We'd love to have you. And I start thinking, I'm like, all right, God, if we're gonna test this, let's test it out. I'm like, how about this, Reverend? It ain't gonna cost you nothing. 
He's like, excuse me? I said, it ain't gonna cost you nothing. I'm like, when's the show? He goes, it's in December. I said, instead of people paying for the show, have them bring toys for tots. That's how they get the admission. We'll give the toys to all the kids. I'll do the show, Merry Christmas. Now, before you start just thinking, wow, what a great guy, let me be honest with you. I was also thinking, if I don't charge them any money and I show up and a bad word happens to pop out of my mouth, all these kids get toys and the church people have a cool story and we move on, you know what I'm saying? So he's like, you'll do it for nothing? I said, yes, I will, Pastor Reynolds. He goes, will you pray with me? I said, I sure will. And he said, dear God, thank you for Reno and for him doing the show for nothing. I said, amen. And we hung the phone up and I'm like, where's Lula, Georgia? Like, I don't So I call my wife. I'm like, baby, I'm doing a show at a church. I'm not charging him nothing. She's like, it's about time you did stuff like that. I'm like, all right, you know. So listen, I've been in movies, I've been on TV shows, I've never been as nervous as I was to do this show with this little Church of Christ place in Lula, Georgia, right? So I get to the church and I'm standing on the side and I'm going like, all right, you know, just don't say any bad words, be a good boy, be a good boy, you know? And the minister's there beside me, he's like, are you ready? I said, yes, sir, I am, I think I am. I go, I'm a little nervous, I go, if anything pops out of my mouth, don't forget that forgiveness deal we got going. He's like, I know, I'm with you, we're good, right? So I'm like, all right, he goes, all you gotta do, Reno, is go up there, do your show, give your testimony, and you're done. And I was like, my what? And he's like, give your testimony. I was like, like in court? He goes, no, man, just tell the truth. I was like, oh, so not like in court. All right, I got you, right? He's like, so go do your show, right? So I go up and I start doing the show and as the crowd gets into it, I get real amped up. I'm all fired up, I'm doing shows, I'm not being dirty, everything's coming out good and the crowd's going crazy. I'm like, thank you, good night! And the pastor's like, testimony, testimony. And I'm like, oh yeah. I'm like, all right, uh, hold on, I ain't done. I'm gonna give my testimony. And they're like, amen, brother, let's hear it. I'm like, yeah. I'm like, all right then. I'm an alcoholic. And they're like, woo, tell it, brother. I'm like, yeah. I'm like, yeah. I never would have quit drinking if it wasn't for Jesus. And they're like, amen, brother, bring it home. I'm like, yeah. I'm like, sometimes when I get out of the shower, I'm neck in front of the mirror. And the preacher's like, no, no. And I'm like, Merry Christmas. (laughs) Thank you guys so much. I sure had a good time. I appreciate it. Okay, Reno, I want to know, did they ever invite you back to the Church of Christ? I have not been invited back. (laughs) I hope to be. Well, we're glad we invited you here. Yes, sir. Governor, it's so nice to meet you. Such a thrill to have you. Thank you very much. Yes, sir. Now, I know that some of you probably want to invite him to your Church of Christ in Lula, Georgia, (laughs) or somewhere else. And if you want to find out everything that you want to know about Reno Collier, including his comedy album, Who is Reno Collier?, You can find out about his tour schedule and a lot more. Here's how you do it. Go to Huckabee.tv. It'll take you right to Reno Collier. Now, if we can get Keith to stop laughing over there, he is going to do his best to catch his breath and tell you what we have coming up next. (laughs) Well, coming up, pop music recording artist Colton Dixon. Stay with Huckabee. Welcome back to the show. 
Colton Dixon became a household name when he was voted a fan favorite and a finalist on season 11 of American Idol. Today, he is a pop hit-making singer and songwriter in Christian music. He's charted multiple number one hits like Miracles and through all of it. His latest critically acclaimed self-titled EP features some hit songs like Miracles. I want you to welcome Colton Dixon. Colton, good to have you with us. Good to be here. Thanks for having me. You're one of those guys, you do it all. You play, you write the songs, uh, you sing the songs. Uh, you know, you're disgusting, to be honest dance. with you, that you can do all of those things. <laughs> what do you love the most? Oh, man, I love the writing process. I really? love um, hiding away in a studio with some friends of mine and, uh, and diving into um, different topics, different sounds, different instruments, and, uh, yeah, creating something from nothing. I think it's so much fun. How long does it take to write a song from the time that you sit down at the piano and you're collaborating with your friends? So you're saying, yeah, this is a song. Uh, we, we like to do it in a day. In uh, one day? In one day. Um, we'll start and we'll take the first hour to get acquainted with one another. It's kind of yeah. like speed dating, if I'm honest. <laughs> Some of these guys you've never met before in your life. So you sit down and you get to know the person and, and then uh, you hopefully write a song that you can use um, by the end of the day. But normally a day. Sometimes it takes longer. You could have gone any direction you wanted. Obviously, there was an open door for a pop music career, country, whatever you wanted to do, you've chosen to specifically focus on uh, Christian music. Mm. What was the inspiration for that? And, and what was it? Was it a, a calling, a, a sense that this was my destiny? You know, I actually grew up listening to Christian music. Mm -hmm. um, guys like uh, Toby and DC Talk and Michael yeah. W. Smith and Stephen Curtis. And um, I love Christian music. I love um, the impact that it has. Um, even me growing up, I would turn on the radio and hear Christian music and it it really blessed me. But there was a time um, on American Idol where I kind of had to have that conversation with God. It's like, all right, God, I'm, I'm on this mainstream television show. Uh, what do you have for me? Because um, I need to start focusing in on whatever area that is. And, and uh, I just, I asked that it would be obvious in the studio. And it was. I wrote the first couple singles that I released to Christian Radio right off of Idol. And uh, yeah, it was just uh, so obvious to me, so apparent that God wanted me to be here. So I'm glad I am. I'm glad you are too, because yeah. your music is touching yeah. people. And uh, you've clearly answered a call to something higher than just simply being an entertainer. Nothing wrong with that, but I'm thrilled you're doing. You got two twin daughters. This is gonna be a great Christmas for you, your wife and your two little twin girls. Yes, it uh, is. We're just excited to have you, but you know, we didn't bring you here just to talk. We're gonna have to have you do some music, right? Let's do it. You're All right. You're playing bass, aren't you? I am. Good. bet. Not because I'm good enough to do it, but because I sort of push myself into it. But I want our audience to get more of Colton Dixon and his music. And right this very moment, Keith Bilbrey is gonna tell them exactly how they can do that. You can find everything you need to know about Colton Dixon, including links to his music at the all-new Huckabee.tv. Now, while you're there, be sure to watch Colton's online exclusive performance of his hit Miracles. Now, here to perform with Trey Corley and the Music City Connection, including Mike on bass, is Colton Dixon. Ooh. 